It is Tuesday, December the 13th, 2022. I am Dan Rubin. This is the Bucknuts Morning 5 and Change, joined by the lovely and talented Steve Wolfong, Director of Recruiting for 24-7 Sports. Yes, this is our normal gig, but again, Dave Biddle is off this week, so you'll get to see plenty of me. I'm sure that makes you really excited. But we do have the man in here today. He is at the top of his game. It is fast. It is furious these days as we prepare for the playoff, but also deal with the good old transfer portal name, image, and likeness, and regular recruiting as such. Steve, how goes it? Good morning, Daniel. You guys, Buckeyes got a chance here to win the national championship, brother. It's going to be a tough, tough one against Georgia, but there is a recipe to win that ball game. You got to protect C.J. Stroud, which is the toughest task in the country, but Ohio State is going to be running out NFL offensive linemen to, to, to combat what is the best defensive front in college football. Obviously, if you get time to throw, you can pick, pick Georgia apart some. So, you know, I, there's, a, there's a recipe there and, and, and uh, eliminate the big plays, and that could be an exciting uh, college football semifinal there. Plus, who's the last team to repeat? I'm not. That's a really good question. The last team to repeat, is it USC? I don't know the answer to that. That's what jumps into my brain. But that's a really good question. In terms of stopping the pass rush, yesterday all Americans were announced and Paris Johnson Jr. and Dewan Jones both made the second team. So you'd think if you're going to have some guys who can hold up. Unfortunately, Jalen Carter moves towards the interior of the line. He is a beast. And um, that is going to be a tall task. But I do think you're right that Ohio State has the materials to get it done. I'm not sure there are many other teams in the country that would even really stand a chance given the month break for everyone to get healthy and prepared. So we will stay optimistic there. We will stay optimistic on all fronts despite the general negativity we feel on the front row. There were questions asked for the Fong here, and we're going to go through them today. And then if we have time, we'll try and hit some of the later questions you guys are posting as we speak. But we will start at the top. No to Big Cat or not, oh, Big Cat. Seems like Ohio State is playing defense in the recruiting world right now, Steve. What recruits out there not committed to Ohio State? Do we have at least a 50% chance or greater of signing in the current 2023 class? Of course. Five-star defensive end Keon Keeley committed to Alabama yesterday, I believe. That was expected. There will be a new update on the top 247 coming here soon. And uh, we will deal with that as well. But figure it in for us. Well, I feel really good about where Ohio State stands with Indianapolis, Lawrence Central, top 247 edge rusher Joshua Mickens. 
who I got a chance to see play some high school basketball on Friday. He was in my suburb here in the Indianapolis area playing a road game and he played a lot of minutes and and I believe I think it was an over it was an overtime loss to Zionsville. Zionsville has a guard that's going to Penn State. But Mickens was the man in the middle for Lawrence Central. Good feet, explosive, can jump, uh, good side to side, aggressive player, can handle the basketball. Just a terrific athlete all the way around. And I think he's actually adding good muscle to his frame already. Um, but I, I like where Ohio State stands for him. He's going to announce his college decision on January 7th at the All-America Bowl in San Antonio. And I think he's got a lot of traits to develop into a hell of a pass rusher for Ohio State if he does indeed choose the Buckeyes. Keon Keeley shouldn't surprise y'all. As soon as he decommitted from Notre Dame, the crystal ball went towards Alabama. Ohio State was playing catch up. It was a valiant effort, got him to campus twice. Um, but Alabama was the crystal ball pick when he decommitted from Notre Dame and that forecast never changed. There has been some back and forth with Damon Wilson, uh, the 24-7 sports composite five-star edge from uh, Florida who's playing in his state championship game this weekend. I think that um, George is get, gaining momentum fast with him. You know, I liked Ohio State in the fall. I think Ohio State's still fighting the good fight, but I, I think that Georgia's, you know, been picking up steam in that one. We'll see how it falls when the dust settles. Uh, Mateo Uagalele is obviously the five-star defensive lineman from Bosco out there in California. I know Larry Johnson – and uh, uh, Coach Perry Eliano were out there to watch him play over the weekend. You know, Coach Eliano is recruiting Peyton Woodyard, who's going to commit on January 7th at the All-America Bowl as well. Ohio State and Georgia battling for, for Peyton Woodyard down the stretch there. I think Ohio State's well positioned for Mateo, but that doesn't mean that it, that that doesn't mean that couldn't change by the time he makes his decision. You got Oregon who I, I view as their biggest challenger right now. Really? And then, and then USC is in there, obviously. Maybe a Georgia or someone makes a move for Mateo here late. But, I mean, I think Ohio State's doing all the right things. The family loves Larry Johnson, loves the idea of Mateo being developed by Larry Johnson. I think player development is, is something that's very important here because DJ picked Clemson, and for them personally – it wasn't the experience, I think, that they thought that they were going to get when he committed in high school. So there's a lot of moving parts with recruiting right now, but player development is something that Ohio State can really lean on when 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 they're recruiting kids really at every position, but certainly on the defensive line with, with Larry Johnson's track record. We'll see. You know, I, 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 I'm definitely not sleeping on Oregon there and then – you know, he's been the USC a bunch. They won 11 games this year. We'll see what happens. And then, you know, Greg Biggins has reported a couple times on Georgia being in the mix. We've heard Texas A&M. So, I don't know. You know, I mean, I, I think you guys are recruiting running backs, right? So, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens there. I know you guys offered the 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 kid from Georgia there, um, from from South Paulding, Jamarian Wilcox, who's an Ohio native. I saw a right. crystal ball for Kentucky there. Yeah, so Kentucky has been the one to beat for Wilcox for most of, much of the cycle. They've done a good job. They've had, you know, they've been way out in front on that one. So I don't know. Um, look, this is what a about class. the quarterback from the Dakotas. Oh Lucas yeah, 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 yeah. Thanks for the reminder. I mean, so Lincoln Kineholz, Ohio State's still pushing extremely hard to try and add him to the class. 
uh, as they try and add a, uh, add a quarterback to a room that could get really thin, really fast. Um, I don't think they're out for Lincoln Kynos, but nobody has told me that they're like, he's an Ohio state lean either. He's committed to Washington. Yeah. I can very well see him in the fold for Washington. And I know like, look, this is the end of the cycle and it doesn't seem like Ohio state is going to finish with the same flurry as maybe a couple other programs that might land five, six guys here down the stretch. But you all got to remember that you're sitting on the number five recruiting class in the country. You have the best receiver class in America right now. You have um, some difference makers on the D line, like a Jason Moore and could add to that your secondary class which is a big need to get Calvin Simpson Hunt and Jermaine Matthews. Those guys are really talented players. You know, you got to hold off Auburn for Jelani Thurman, but he's one of the most talented tight ends in the country. Auburn's trying to flip Kay and Lee as well. Y'all are are, are fighting the good fight there. Jaden Bonsu uh, um, is another DB that that, that's uh, uh, really good. Caden McDonald's a productive defensive lineman. So this class, it's a top five class. It's really good already. Uh, we'll see what y'all add to it, but I don't want to be coming to the front row over the next week and hear a bunch of whining when the class is already good. Like, yes, you're trying to add to it, and I get that. You win some, you lose some, but you guys got first-world problems over here, man. You're in the college football playoff. You, you know, you got a good team. You're going to have a good team next year. You're going to bring in a good recruiting class. The world is it, – it's good. It's the world a, isn't going to end, Steve. It's a good day to be a Buckeyes fan, man. It always man. is. It always is. And you're right. Um, Caleb Don, you guys are crying look. there. I mean, you know, I know that's a question that was asked. Uh, Coach Saban and company were in there yesterday. I think right now Ohio State's expected to go in the day. Now, I'm not predicting any flip or hurt anything like that, you know. But, I mean, y'all are – you know, this staff, they fight to the end on kids and you win a lot, lose some, on to the next cycle. And I would imagine Ohio State will have a pretty damn good recruiting class in 2024. One question that was on there that seemed interesting is that uh, Dylan Riola's father, Dom Riola, I believe, is being hired by Nebraska. Do you think that will affect things going forward? I can't see that happening, but I guess anything's possible. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I know that with, with Dylan, Dylan Riola, I picked Ohio State to – play for Ryan Day and be developed yeah. within that offense. And, you know, Ohio State, Ryan Day hasn't missed on a first-round quarterback starter yet since he's been in Columbus, and that's going to continue. So it'll be up to someone after C.J. Stroud to see if that streak ends or not because it's a, it's going to continue. And you raised a good point on uh, the Uwe Ungales and that people may not remember this, but uh, D.J. Uwe Ungale and Bryce Young were the original kind of <laughs> – Porch bears for that class of quarterbacks out of California. And CJ was kind of the late bloomer. And now, you know, X years later, both Bryce and CJ are going to have already, first of all, all three of them have cashed in through NIL, but those two Bryce and uh, CJ have been developed to the point where they're going to be top 10 draft picks and DJ is not. So they were put in better situations and, uh, yeah, but they chose the situation. Like no you question. Said, so the idea of going back and getting the choice again certainly affects it. So what I would say in, in hindsight, you know, DJ was part of a terrific Clemson recruiting class. The difference is, is that Alabama and Ohio State surround the quarterback with good O-line play and playmakers at the wide receiver position. And Clemson has had suspect O-line play 
and not I, I don't know if they have a pro at wideout that, that DJ's played with. Maybe these freshmen eventually will play in the NFL. But Clemson's receiver recruiting really dipped. Um, Jeff Scott did a great job of getting guys and developing guys. He goes on the USF. And, uh, you know, the guys that Clemson's recruited the last few cycles just weren't weren't difference makers at that position. And, yeah, maybe you can point to DJ in some regard because, look, it's a long season and there's a lot of games to, to digest. But quarterbacks look a lot better when receivers are running open. Quarterbacks look a lot better when they're upright, you know, and, and quarterbacks look a lot better when the play calling is good. And so – to put it all on DJ is, is ridiculous. You know, it was a combination of things of why he hasn't met the potential that we thought he had coming out of high school. He's still writing his journey, still had a good college career, just wasn't, he's just not trending to be a first rounder, but he won a lot of ball games there in a the new year's six game again. Like I'm not, you know, they, they've done a lot of good things at Clemson, but the expectation for Clemson similar to Ohio state is not winning 10 or 11 ball games, you know? And so um, CJ Stroud and Bryce Young made good college decisions. They're surrounded by talent and they maximized and developed and got better in their current situations where DJ, and he really had to battle and grind every week, every damn week was, a, was a grind for Clemson. They still win most of the time, but it's rarely easy. I would not, sleep on DJ Uyungle's ultimate future too. There are still several throws. As far as a guy who generates power with his arm from flat feet, which is one thing the NFL loves, I would bet you that there are some NFL guys who are hoping he falls farther and farther down the draft and then is developed. It would not surprise me at all to see DJ Uyungle develop into a Pro Bowl quarterback. All the characteristics that made him an overwhelming recruit. I mean, I think a lot of people had him number one. Look, he was a he showed a lot of fortitude at Bosco in big games and a lot of courage to rally his team yeah. to beat Matterday, uh, I believe late in his senior year. And I hope that his story in college football ends similar to the way Hendon Hooker's yeah. has at Tennessee with the exception of the injury. I mean, Hendon Hooker, if you go back and look at his high school career, it's like, no kidding, he's good in college. I mean, he was an all-state basketball player, state champion football player that put up big-time numbers in football and basketball that, again, didn't pick the best situation for him to flourish. And that's part of this deal. You you may be talented, but football is the ultimate team sport and the ultimate well, quarterback too. sport any position really yeah but quarterbacks different than that like look at Dwayne Haskins I mean the late Dwayne Haskins was in the ideal situation here and if you took once you took him out of it he was screwed you know some guys need the structure need the impetus need the whatever but like you said well Dwayne that really is the track record though Dwayne started the NFL's team wasn't very good you know obviously he was young that's that my point is is like no matter what position you play no matter how talented you are, uh, oftentimes you can go to a place and not maximize your ability if you're not getting schemed correctly or coached correctly. And so it's very important for prospects to make the right decision for themselves schematically and developmentally, or oftentimes they are not going to reach their potential 
And I think if you look at DJ's run at Clemson, his receivers can't separate. So how the hell is he going to make, you know, they, and I'm, again, I'm not saying he's not culpable for some things, but his offensive line, not that good. You know what I'm saying? Like the play calling, not that exciting. Like right. it's just um, so. But the raw materials remain. When when Trevor Lawrence and uh, uh, um, why am I and Deshaun Watson were there, not only were those guys awesome, but the the receivers in the well, running look. back room was legit. Now the offensive line still was suspect, but they at least had dudes that could catch the ball and score on one play. Well, and then those guys could get rid of the ball. Those guys were mobile. They overcame a bad offensive line. DJ can't overcome a bad offensive line and bad receivers. You can't do that. And bad receivers by the standard of winning championships. Not like their receivers are good players. Don't get me wrong. I but get it, not, but it does. They're not, the they're not win 14 game receivers. Excuse me. Yeah. I don't know whether to give Dabo Swinney more credit for that or less because. Well, He's a great coach. Right. So you give him credit for maximizing the roster, but at the same time, you're building the roster. And they got some guys like the Brian Brzee pickup was enormous. Um, They just never really hit on those skill guys. But like you're saying, T. Higgins and Hunter Renfro and Travis Etienne, those guys are all collecting big checks. Yeah. And some of those receivers they got, it's not like they were touted. It's not like I knew who Hunter Renfro was in. in, uh, High school, but I'm just saying, like they, so they get credit they for that, but they hit big on big time receivers, and they don't have any right now. He's not throwing to Hunter Renfro. No, <laughs> you know, well, especially just compared to Ohio State, where you know uh, your two receivers from last year are in the running for offensive rookie of the year. The guy uh, you let transfer out came back for one game and scored a touchdown. And sure. then you didn't bring back who was supposed to be the number one most talented receiver in the country, and you still had the best receiver in the country. So a tad different recruiting than – Yeah, Julian Fleming nearly went to Clemson, or they at least led at one point for him. He'd be their number one. Yeah. I don't want to get into that one. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> you kind of already answered this. Take this as much as you want. What percentage of the kids do you think right now are making their decisions based on, and this is, I would, I would say the kids that are in contention for Ohio state love that you've been dealing with of the 2023 and 24 kids. Do you think they're making decisions on old school criteria like development path to the NFL, et cetera, or the new school criteria, which I believe stands for NIL. So when you're talking about Ohio state, Ohio State is going to lose some recruiting battles, in my opinion, for high school prospects who are solely making their decision on NIL up front. But Ohio State, in my opinion, player development, really strong. NIL for current players on the team, really strong. You know, like they have a lot to sell, but I just think that, their their recipe is look we're going to take care of the guys in our locker room and that's what's going to keep our culture the way we want it to be really? we can't pay, you can't pay someone that hasn't made a play for us more than someone that is an all-american you know what i'm Who saying was equally as touted and so right so i think that guys that are considering ohio state like brandon innes 
who sees the potential of playing wide receiver at Ohio State and how well that room is doing, that's the long-term play, you know, for him. Now, not everybody is walking the same life, so I'm not judging anybody on any decision they make. I'm just saying my perspective, and maybe I'm wrong. I'm not. Uh, um, sometimes, a lot of times, I'm wrong around the Wilt Farm House. I think that Ohio State's formula is, and Ryan Day's. And you correct me if I'm wrong. Ryan Day has been an advocate for raising NIL money for his current roster. Wants his players. Dollar the thirteen million factor. Wants his players to get as much as possible. They're all for it, but it's going to mess up your culture. If a true freshman that hasn't done diddly, no matter how touted they are, comes in and is making more than someone that's been an impact starter or an All-American or what have you. And so the recipe is, hey, look, man, our quarterback made X, Y, and Z. You get that on the back end, if not more, by the time this thing really ramps up, you know. And so it's not just that. It's that plus they can show you. Every guy in the NFL that comes through there and does well gets a second contract. They got a top three almost in every position across the board getting paid. And 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 that's not the Ohio State's not the only one with that. Like Michigan, you know, Michigan's doing that, you know, and 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 other programs. So it's not like Ohio State's on this island all by themselves doing it this way. They're not. Um, in terms of being paying more the proven rather than the entry. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. but I think long term. It's but, the only way to go without having potential for internal combustion. Like there are other teams that may do this. Let's just wait that out a little bit. Let's wait a couple cycles for guys to get paid a whole bunch coming in and not produce. Cause I don't care what anybody says, even at Ohio state recruiting is not a 100% thing, man. Well, there's things that we don't know about this, like that could go either way. So young man already wealthy off NIL what desire does that have for him as a college athlete to give extra? Um, how does it impact the peers in the locker room? There's, there's, you know, it might not be an issue. There might be some teams that are spending on this 2023 class and it's going to pay off for them, but there also might be some teams where it blows up their locker, their culture, and, and, and you got, you got no chance to recover. So, you know, we'll see, I don't know how it's going to go. And then again, I don't judge any of these young men. I've never walked in their shoes. Maybe the right thing for them is to take the upfront deal and then go take their chances. Like we don't know, we don't know what's going on with with right. the with these guys. I just know for Ohio State, these guys that are committed to the Buckeyes, you know, they're coming to Ohio State to be part of one of the biggest universities in the country to play for one of the best coaching staffs in the country coaching staff that has real life Wednesdays, dot, 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 player development. And there is good NIL at Ohio state. It's good. It's really good. So, and but, so it's the pipeline know. to the NFL and every single guy who comes to Ohio state, I've told people this, if they're not the best player in the history of their town, they're close. And every guy who comes here besides the punter and kicker thinks they're only coming for three years. That's okay. Um, that's, you have to show you can do that. And this, uh, this NFL draft coming up will be no different. They're going to have a quarterback go up top, uh, close. I would, I'd be shocked if CJ Stroud's not picking the top ten. I think Paris Johnson will get into the top ten eventually. Colts need a quarterback and a tackle. Yeah, 
Speaking of the Colts, we had a question here that I think is probably the most important one we're going to ask all day. The Dallas Cowboys have signed T.Y. Hilton. Does he have anything left in the tank? I turn it to our Colts expert, Steve Wolfong. I don't know, man. We love T.Y. He lives in our suburb. My kid, I swear to God, my kid, every time he sees him, wants to try and take a picture with him. It's like, dude, you already got one. And we just got to, I mean, he's a dad. He's a dad around here. My kid's eight, by the way. So, But he's just... You know, Ty's a Ty's a, a celeb celebrity around around Zionsville. Um, does he live in Zionsville? He does. Yeah, interesting. And his kid, his kid's a sophomore receiver at Zionsville. He's got an early offer from Purdue. Um, his son? Yeah, yeah. Eugene, Jeez. which is Ty's name. Um, you know, Ty. I mean, he seems to be a great leader. Yeah. You know, obviously, at the end of the his Colts run here, he didn't make as many big plays as we were used to seeing when he was younger. But that's Father Time, man. Hey, you, your Cowboys was that your ghost name on the website? You asking that question yourself? I know you're a big Cowboys fan. No, someone's I mean, smart ass. He's coming. He's uh, big calm. By the way, my nickname would never be Big Calm, so he asked that. I mean, the Cowboys have so much money. If he catches one or two passes in the playoffs, it's worth it. You know, he'll, he'll he'll be good. I would imagine he'll be good in the meeting rooms and with the guys. And he knows what it is. He's in there trying to steal a ring here late in his career, you know. And so good for him, man. But, yeah, he, you know, he's the kids love him and, and they always want to say hi to him. And and uh, I mean, hell, my kid. He autographed my kid's Cubs hat because it was all he had on him. And kids are funny, nice. you know, like it's no, no got, Chicago angst. He's got a T.Y. Hilton autograph next to his Patrick Wisdom autograph on a Cubs hat. And it's just funny, you know, like, but uh, no, T.Y., he's he's a saint around these parts here. And we're, you know, hopefully he goes out to Dallas and, and helps them, uh, helps them, you know, win some games. Yeah, and a more somber note, we'd be remiss if we did not pass along that during this show uh, the official death of uh, Mike Leach has been announced the longtime football coach and really just kind of a cool entertaining um, I was one of those guys that would watch his press conferences at times when I didn't have to and it's just a loss to the fiber of college football um, you know he wasn't just an offensive kind of mastermind he was really kind of a I don't know, kind of a cultural icon within the sport, which is really, you know, as a living person, is kind of a hard thing to do. So our condolences go out to his family in the Mississippi State community. Did you get a chance to ever meet him or know him at all? No, I just obviously, like I said, know him as a Renaissance man, a man that was entered you know, everyone knows those guys that are just knows so much about everything. And he was one of them just probably had like a photographic memory of some sort that his recall was off the charts, you know, talking to coaches that talking to coaches that worked for him. It was easy to work for him because the offense is really just like nine plays. And that's a revolutionary variety of of ways. Yeah. In terms of his impact. So he's had, I mean, he had a huge, he'll be, he'll be remembered fondly everywhere he went and, it's a loss, man. College football is a really fun and cool interesting you know, sport to follow. And we get a chance to know these people for really a long period of time. Guy, well, This guy's been in our life for, what, 20, 25 years. So our condolences go out to uh, the Leach family, the Mississippi State community, and everywhere he's made an impact. And uh, we hope everyone here has a wonderful day. We appreciate the Fong stopping by. Have a good one, Bucknutters. Take care, y'all. See you on the front row.
Thank you.